Well, you better pad up, Doctor. Taking a terrible thrashing. I made a duck. What a very silly activity. You think so? As a boy, I always wanted a... Ball to open. Ball to open. Yes, and what do you do? It's a little naughty, really. I think it's a great hoot. Practically ripping before. Great what? Oh, I don't think I could do it. Yes, you can. Just follow me. Come on. Here comes the drums. So here it comes, the sound of drums. Here come the drums, here come the drums. <laughs> Hello and welcome, welcome, welcome to Pull to Open, an ongoing quest in podcast form to watch literally all of the TV show Doctor Who in entirely random order. My name's Chris Taylor. And I'm Pete Paschal, and Chris and I are a couple of guys, a couple of handsome guys, a couple of well-dressed guys here in 2023, continuing our journey to review the program known as Doctor Who, of course, in random order. And it's going well so far, I would say. I would Uh, say, too. uh, We have been to some very interesting places, not necessarily the best places in Doctor Who history, but this is what we do. We go to all the places in Doctor Who history. And here is where we've been three episodes ago. We were at that amazing Master Trilogy, our last so far dip into New Who, uh, with Utopia, Sound of Drums, and Last of the Time Lords, the Master Trilogy. We had a fun old time doing that. Two episodes ago, y'all, we were in the Wild West with bad accents, not just like mine, (laughs) in the Gunfighters, that Hartnell historical. Uh, last time we went to the previous Hartnell episode. That's where the randomizer took us just one step backwards into our first missing story, the entirely appropriate for 2023 Celestial Toymaker. And, uh, yeah, we had an interesting time there. Not necessarily as good a time as we might have expected, but an interesting time. It was like our first consecutive episodes, I guess, if you think about it. I mean, consecutive by way of the randomizer. But I mean, yeah. if you think about time, does it is the fact that it progresses toward the future a real thing, or is that just our perception? Because arguably, you know, it goes backwards. I, th- I think the latest theory, the latest theory, is that all of Doctor Who happens at once, and uh, this is just mm-hmm. our <laughs> this is just our timey wimey way of uh, making sure that it doesn't happen all at once, so we can perceive it all. Uh, a little bit of a physics joke there. But anyway, we moved from the Celestial Toymaker. We escaped the toy room. And we moved to 1925 England. And a game of cricket and a costume ball that we like to call Black Orchid. The most botany frific episode of Doctor <laughs> Who. There's actually like, you know, give it credit. There is an orchid in this and it is black. It is black. So, it, yeah. it does. It lives up to the billing. It, it does exactly what it says on the tin. It provides a black orchid and a mystery around a black orchid. That's not really much of a mystery. <laughs> and notably, it's the last uh, of the pure historicals um, in the entire series. I believe there hasn't been a it real is, pure yeah. historical in New Who, right? So yeah. There's... There was the unicorn of the wasp, which was this plus a mild amount of alienness. Yeah, there was a giant bug. So yeah, yeah, yeah that's I mean, as close as yeah. New Who got. But yeah, this was it. Yeah, this was it. I mean, it um, was kind of a. Uh, we'll get into it on mm. either why or how good an idea it was to do a pure historical. 
But but being, I, I think we that. also, I think we got to talk about the possibility of doing doing more bingos, and maybe huh. you and I can do a special episode where we divide up the the bingos between us, uh, because we're we're approaching a bingo on two episode classic stories. I know we are. I we think are. Is, is there only one left? And I know we've we've been bad at. Well, there was uh... how many episodes uh, <laughs> episodes are in every story, but well, I, we've done it, this. We yeah. did the rescue. Mm-hmm. I think there's Edge of Destruction left yes. and Sontaran Experiment. There's one more, uh, The Awakening. Another ah, game so ah, we're not, we're not okay. as close as you think. So there's at least three more, right? Okay. So like you, you mentioned them, but yeah, The Awakening. I remember that one too. Uh, it has a big face in a wall. <laughs> I gotta That's say, the, memorable. I, the other memorable thing about Black Orchid and the rescue, and that the whole two episode nature of, of like classic stories, like it's that that makes it a new Who story, right? So it's it's a nice right. and easy lift. So I, I I had this gentle memory of doing the rescue because it was so sort of inoffensive at two episodes. I, I feel like I'm going to have the same sort of gentle, nice memory of Black Orchid uh, once it fades into the rearview mirror. So. Well, I appreciate also that it's very friendly to our schedules of figuring out <laughs> how to sort of watch and research during the week. It is. Um, you know, and I, I think I'm purposely saying that to jinx us on the randomizer <laughs> later so that we get like the Daleks master plan or something. Mm. Um, but certainly the 1925 setting and the, the uh, upper class uh, Cranley uh, estate that we're in for this definitely made me up my costume game. So here I am in my Tom Baker tie as you can see on Spotify and YouTube. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm ready. It's a, it's, a, it's a smaller meal when you do the two episoders, but this one's definitely sort of a an, uh, a high a five-star restaurant meal that mm. <laughs> leaves you wanting for more, but you're kind of glad you dine there just because for the experience. Indeed, um, indeed. Yeah. Um, what, what an experience. Is it also the last of the doppelgangers? That's that's what I want to know. <laughs> oh, yeah. So many doppelgangers. I don't hmm. <laughs> hmm. think so. It might be. I don't know. Someone, yeah. someone tells if it's not. Um, but we'll get to it. We're going to go yeah. talk about, about Black Orchid in a few minutes. But first, of course, listeners, we're going to enter the poll to open feedback loop, as we always do. And, of course, the first thing I must remind everyone when I get into the loop is we adore listeners who leave reviews. Reviews are uh, amazing. They're great for podcasts. They really help the show. If you go to the Apple podcast app and leave a review, you could do that right now. Just pause the playback, go ahead, leave a quick one. It could be just a few words. It can be just a few characters, perhaps even yeah. a few emojis. That's right. Like, I'm going to give you the idea right now, free on the air for the emoji review of Black Orchid, and it'd just be a flower. Mm. Uh, I guess maybe with a little one of the black dots next to it, uh, and then <laughs> two two girl emojis looking exactly the same. Well, this is actually one of the episodes where we did get uh, an emoji title. In this is a while back. This was, oh, we uh, did it! Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's a longtime friend of the pod, Bob Gibley, and. It's almost like you could sort of pick and choose. He, he gave a series of emo- emojis. And so you're, you're dead on on the black. Or- like already you got the black dot and the flower. <laughs> so that's enough. But he, there's also a cricket bat emoji. Oh, 
uh, there's a cookie emoji and a cupcake emoji and a glass of wine <laughs> emoji. And I think all of that is to emphasize there's a lot of uh, eating and drinking in this episode, and it's generally festive. So I was going to say, is he just yeah. like typing out everything that Adric ate at the buffet? <laughs> uh, I yeah. think that would be a very long emoji title. Yeah, he did indeed. The story is um, kind of famous for, for Adric eating a lot. Anyway, speaking of eating a lot, we will eat a lot of your reviews. Yeah. <laughs> if you leave them, we will eat as many emoji reviews as you take it. Even if you want to leave your own Black Orchid review, we'll, we'll add that to the codex. Do it. Right. Do it. We were just, uh, as we're doing now, we're doing some TikTok lives before every podcast, and we just yeah. uh, had a little chat with someone who did like the episode and it's one of her favorites and so yeah feel free feeds if you're around Thieves, go ahead yes. get us some uh leave us a review and tell us uh, what you thought of black orchid in that review and thank you Phoebes, for for joining for being the first listener to join <laughs> the actual live we were talking with you live that was pretty amazing so so nice i'm kind of jumping yeah jumping around the feedback loop here but yeah the burying the lead in that like if you missed us last week we are now doing tiktok lives every time we sit down to tape an episode we're going to be going live with you guys for a few minutes before answer questions nerd out the show which we like to do maybe even discuss some theories live that's what we mm. like to do um so do that we're at pull to open on twitter be one of our ten thousand plus followers we've got that about ten thousand two hundred now yeah mm -hmm. um so we'll be doing more lives and if you have technical know-how on how to better do lives because uh we might need a little bit of tips <laughs> but uh we're, we're gonna get this thing uh polished guys so i worry. definitely feel like i'm like you know uh general zod in the phantom zone like just in the back of the live right now i'm kind of trapped <laughs> in the <laughs> phantom zone window <laughs> yeah, get me out of there. So I believe we uh, we have some fans in certain countries uh, who are joining us at a, a prodigious rate. Yeah, so guys, I mean, wherever you are in the world, whether it's, say, the Netherlands, perhaps mm. New Zealand, perhaps France, and I see you guys because I see how our podcast ratings do in those countries, Um Please go ahead and leave a review. We'll see it. We have ways of finding out who's leaving what reviews. Not who, but like we're seeing the reviews in other countries. So we'd be happy to read out your review on the podcast. Really, whatever you say, whatever you think of the show, uh, we want to hear from you. We'll take notes. We'll take notes. <laughs> That's right. Like the Doctor Who production team. We'll take notes on what we could do better. Uh, maybe yeah, uh, it'd be great. It'd be great maybe leave your country flag at the start of the review Ooh. just to tell us where you're from. That'd be awesome. But Netherlands, New Zealand, France, I've always loved those countries. Uh, thank you so much for supporting us. Yeah, um, let us know what, what emojis are popular in your country, perhaps. <laughs> yes, the bread and cheese emoji, kind of obvious, France. I believe there's a uh, baguette mm -hmm. that you could use. Um, so even if you can't spare review wherever you are in the world, uh, feel free to rate us, and uh, you can rate us however you want. Uh, for some reason, the number five is in my head, so if you have a number of stars in front of you, maybe pick five to leave, because that would be amazing if you could. Five stars. Leave five stars, and then leave five stars again in your burner account. <laughs> yes. Meanwhile. Speaking of stars and thumbs up, uh, hey, there's other places you can interact with us, and a big one is YouTube. So we are at, of course, youtube.com slash pull to open. We are uploading all some older episodes of the podcast every Wednesday from season two of Pull to Open, currently in season four. Season four, of course, keeps coming every Saturday. 
and we're just about to hit 500 subs there on YouTube, which is going to be great when we hit that. But really, we also want to aim for a thousand subscribers here in 2023. So if you're subscribing to us on YouTube, uh, go ahead, keep sharing out the podcast there. Go ahead and uh, interact with our shorts, all of our social uh, media videos, the ones we primarily share out on TikTok, those are all there. And you get them hey. nicely organized into playlists. You can see all of our plot summaries and playlists and special bonus that I've actually never mentioned on the podcast. Those the, going forward, the plot summaries will be formatted for YouTube. Just <gasps> to say they they won't be that squeezed vertical format that you Ooh. see on TikTok. So I did uh, notice that. I did notice there. that because get guess uh, guess who just subscribed to our YouTube channel <laughs> last night? That would be me. Uh, <laughs> I'm You're one of these 500. That's right. We did not inflate the numbers. We want this to be an accurate number. So I've only just joined. Uh, but anyway, I'm very excited to be one of Pulto Open's newest subscribers. You can be too. And uh, we're also. I don't. You, I know you don't necessarily hear this a lot with YouTube, but we're getting some good comments. Yes. We actually even have our comment of the week is from YouTube. And I really like this comment because it's, it's just nerding about the show in the, the best way possible. So this is on one of our older podcasts. Um, mm. It was for our review, The Deadly Assassin. That's right. And, uh, which which I'm actually going to connect to Black Orchid later. Remind me about that. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm into that. Um, stay tuned. And this comment comes from someone with the handle... Uh, re revol revolx revolx ravelox ravelox <laughs> maybe yeah it, it looks very French maybe one of our French fans revol revol sorry I'm getting, <laughs> if I'm butchering that um, but I really like this comment it says I love the opening credits now this is referring to the uh, opening after the actual opening credits when they do in the Deadly Assassin, it's like this rolling scroll that has some narration oh, from Tom Baker yes. that talks about how the you know the roller. ancient race of the Time Lords, etc. So um, there can't be, of course, this is the uh, the comment continuing. There can't be, mm. of course, but they immediately give an impression of the epicness and mythicness of the Doctor's homeworld and the events which unfold. This isn't just another Doctor Who adventure, but a tale of two Time Lords battling it out in the ancient society of Gallifrey. I think the Time Lords being corrupt versus the Time Lords being omnipotent is a false dichotomy. I think they could be both. And the Deadly Assassin balances this well, whereas later stories can gravitate, gravitate towards making them too inept and ordinary, where the Doctor walks all over them. As for the lack of regenerations in an episode which relies on regeneration as a major plot point, it does seem like a huge oversight. I explain it away in my headcanon by saying that Stazers as Time Lord weapons are designed to avert the regenerative process somehow. And maybe Runcible, who got stabbed, as I recall, was yeah. just at the end of his cycle, like Goth, or maybe he was a Shabogan or a Time Lord Academy dropout who didn't have regen powers. Cool. Like, this is a great comment, first of all. It's got a lot of fun fan headcanon making connections, uh, which is exactly what we do in the podcast, so I love it. Yes. And I think love they're that. dead on about the stagers. I'm going to say that right away, because I think mm -hmm. you, you kind of have to think that if a staser is going to be effective as a deadly weapon it's got to be able to kill time lords even despite regeneration so and you know this is the race that would obviously have thought that through completely in designing the weapon it so, is yeah. yeah and it's it's not so we've also been to hell bent where the doctor shoots and deliberately induces a regeneration 
yeah. in, in a Time Lord. Um, presumably that isn't a Stazo, is it a different kind of Stazo? Well, you also have to... Yeah, you're right. That I mean, sync with that. All you'd have to all easily explain, though, if like they have different settings. Yes. Yes. You could you could totally imagine a Time Lord weapon with different numbers on it, and that's the number of regenerations you're going to take oh, <laughs> when <nice>. you shoot. <laughs> that would be great if, like, some companion later is fumbling with the Stazer. Why does this have twelve settings? <laughs> <laughs> it's oh like my number God. of regenerations will take it away. I, I love this. I love this comment for so many reasons. One of the reasons I think is uh, it's he says a tale of two Time Lords, which I think is such a great name Beautiful. for Doctor. Should have been the name of the two Doctors, really. Uh, Ooh, more exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Could be the name of any Doctor and Master matchup. But yeah, RTD, use that. Please, please go ahead and use that as a very intriguing title for a story. The last little bit here about Runcible touches on something. I don't know if it's correct because Runcible and the Doctor were in, apparently in the same class. Right. Um, but it, it brings up something that has never been fully explored, uh, which is that I believe the assumption is all Time Lords are Gallifreyan, but not all Gallifreyans mm. are Time Lords. Mm. So where the line is has always been super gray. You know, like, mm -hmm. is, is it, are they mostly Time Lords? Is it just the elite class, which I think is a bit of the default view. But if you think about it, rarely do we see people from Gallifrey not regenerating, uh, notwithstanding the stuff uh, that he mentions here, right, in the classic series. So mm. um, I kind of like that this is still a bit mysterious, but I also uh, partly because I think it's just something that they could flesh out, you know, when they want to. Yeah. Well, you got to think about it. So, so the Doctor is like four regenerations in when he remeets Runcible, who also somehow recognizes him. We, we talked mm. about that during the Deadly Assassin, um, and and maybe it's just like you know, maybe Runcible has kind of burned through his regenerations, uh, <laughs> moves on his twelve. I'm 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 flashing on a wonderful notion of like a a Time Lord yearbook, where you've had people voted, you know, most likely in their class to use up their twelve regenerations the fastest. <laughs> maybe maybe that's what Runcible did. You know, you live large. Fast, die hard. Exactly. Um, well, <laughs> if you think about like a Time Lord society, they must have access to all the hard drugs in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to live hard as a Time Lord, yes. you certainly can. And, and yeah. Runcible is a Time Lord journalist, so he's clearly a glutton for punishment. Right. Maybe uh, in his younger days, he was like Hunter S. Thompson and just yeah, exactly. <laughs> running Time around. Lord. Staying on Scaro and <laughs> so journalists. Oh my god, now I really want to see uh Runcible as Hunter S. Thompson. Please, RTV, make that happen. Oh my god, yeah, that would be such he's doing so many deep cuts for the Hartnell fans at the moment. Uh let, let's do a deep cut for the Deadly yeah, well, fans. Especially because he's got the diamond logo. I mean, this, yes. you know, basically an invitation. Yeah. Anyway, great comment. Love the discussion. Keep it coming, everybody, on YouTube, TikTok, and the other social uh, platforms. Of course, we're also on Twitter and Instagram at Pull2Open63. Closing yeah. out the loop. Not a lot of Doctor Who news these days. We're here in the winter doldrums in January, but there was a little bit of something, not barely, barely anything this week, but it got me to notice that uh, Millie Gibson is on Twitter, apparently. Oh, okay. I yeah, so Millie, Millie Gibson uh, spans no is the new companion. She has yet to appear on screen, but she's been cast. 
as uh, Ruby Sunday. That's her character's name. She's going to mm-hmm. be accompanying Shudi Gatla in the TARDIS when it returns for season 14 after the specials. Or so we think. Anyway, that's uh, everything set up for that. Um, but I, she's apparently on Twitter as, uh, I think I think it's Millie Gibson 01. Um, check that out. Don't go oh, yeah. that. It is a, I think yeah, that's your handle. It's it's not a blue check official. mark. She's not a well, blue check mark. Thing, but does that even mean anything, right? Because that's Twitter that's... blue now, right? Like there's the other check mark. So I, I'm taking it to, because she was cited in a Radio Times article. Yes. And uh, quoted at a tweet, I'm going to take that to be, Radio Times is decent. I mean, I think they're, that's confirmation probably that she's on Twitter. So follow her on Twitter. And she apparently thinks in a tweet uh that matt smith was hot wow. <laughs> which is like that's great um good for yeah i mean it's like this actually brings up something a little bit in that like when i first saw her and shitty got one together you, you kind of see them they're both these very incredibly attractive actors who are going to be entertaining us on screen but just as characters i think it's going to be tough to get away from the, the chemistry and sort of the on-screen expectation like why aren't these two just hooking up right <laughs> like, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting and rtd is good at this right he did the whole rose thing he did the whole martha thing so i i look forward to him understanding that expectation and subverting it in interesting ways. <laughs> i love the idea that a companion that we put this in show and that a companion is actually just has the hots for a previous regeneration of the doctor <laughs> she's just sort of hanging around shusi's regeneration in case he kind of meets his old self like that's you know, <laughs> this is a backstage pass oh that'd be amazing if they're like <laughs> there's like a two doctor story where smith comes back or something and she's and like, she's like oh, aren't you gonna introduce me and she may actually cross over into that like we'll just insert her in the background of various smith stories now that would be fantastic can i I tag along with you this this version of you can i can i do that so just to Uh, close the loop on that here's what she actually did three days ago um she was actually replying to a tweet from the official doctor who account uh hmm. which had four matt smith photos and a quote from matt smith's doctor uh with he's so hot yeah like she she, it wasn't like she was asked about this she volunteered this information so she clearly has a thing for matt smith so i i don't know if he's single right now but yeah there we go yeah there it is i mean they're she's part of the family so this is how it happens you know i love it when when uh celebrities kind of flirt with each other on twitter i wish matt smith was on twitter so she could do this uh Mm. i just remember the time that uh John Meyer kind of uh, mentioned that he was really into Nicki Minaj and she responded, will my body be your wonderland? And and he was like, <laughs> he actually oh tweeted like, oh my God, this is really happening. I don't know what to say in response. Like, yeah. give, give, give me five minutes to come up with a really good response to that. And he tweeted <laughs> that and I'm like, oh, what a dummy. Um, like, come on, come up with something. Yeah, snappy. come on, anyway. John. You know, get, you, get your team. <laughs> Do getting something together. Exactly. Anyway. anyway. The socials, they're fun to look at, uh, occasionally have a use, guys. So go ahead. Uh, besides following us on there, go ahead and follow Millie. That's right. If you want to float with us on social, that's where we are. All right. Speaking of having the hots for previous doctors, <coughs> I think we got a transition. Yes. <laughs> time to, time to have the, the hots for Davison in his dressing gown. 
Yeah. Uh, that, that'll that be coming up. I'm sure <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about nearly naked doctors. Um, this is one. Are we? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I certainly am. I don't know about you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> we had Let's him in Spearhead from it. Space, and uh, we have a nearly naked doctor here, I believe. Oh, it's like he's not yeah. really shirtless. Anyway, we'll get into it. We'll get mm. into it because we have to do something before we get into it. We I'm, do. I'm up for the challenge. Yep, yep. So every time, with every story that we visit in random order, we do what we like to call TLDW. Too long didn't watch, too long Doctor Who. Or in this case, some people might think too little Doctor Who. Two episodes <laughs> may not be enough uh, to uh, to explore this world of the Cranleys. Um, but we are going to summarize it, or rather, Pete is going to summarize it. It is his turn this week. In 30 seconds per classic episode, that's what we allot. So this is one minute. It's basically the same as a new Who. Uh, that's that's right. how much time you have, uh, Pete. You feeling you feeling confident that you can summarize Black Orchid in a minute? Oh God! Whenever I feel confident, it turns out it's misplaced. So no, <laughs> um, I do feel a little bit like I was born for this. Yes. Uh, not really quite born, but I I Fifth Doctor is my favorite era. I've seen Black Orchid repeatedly. I feel like I should be able to do this, but as we know in TLDW, with no notes, nothing to help me, going purely from memory. Um, not even the Zencaster I can see anymore. Yeah, if, if you're looking for a uh, rabbit hole to get stuck on, maybe you could describe everything that Adrian eats at the buffet. Uh, um, well, I'm, that... What I'm going to try to avoid is actually commenting on what's going on because I, I desperately want to throughout. So if I stick <laughs> exactly. to the facts, uh, just man, the facts, I man. Think I should be able to do it. So I think all I'm right. ready. Hold on, a quick, quick sip of water, and I'm ready. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So Pete has all his tabs closed because we fly blind when we do this. We're not. We haven't written it in advance, as you can probably tell by the way that we're sort of sounding desperately like someone on a game show, which is exactly what we're going for here. So here we are. Pete is ready. He has tabs closed, and we are going to do the official pull to open summary of Black Orchid in one minute, starting in five, four, three, two, one, go. So the Doctor, Tegan, Nissa, and Adric arrive in 1925, England, and they are materialized on a, a railway station. They're, the person waiting outside there actually says they're expected. They're expecting someone called the Doctor. Drives them to a place called Cranley Estate. The Doctor plays cricket. He seems completely expected and to play cricket for these guys. He's actually an amazing cricket player. So he wins for the Cranleys. They're asked to stay to have a good time at their fancy dress party. So they get ready. But the Doctor gets lost in a priest hole in the Cranley Estate. It's very big. And so he's for seconds. a while everyone starts the party and what happens is someone uses his costume which is a harlequin that covers up his mask to uh grab and talbot who is actually looks exactly like nissa and they get the the person tries to assault them because she tries to resist is knocked out uh while the doctor gets lost he uh, finds a body and um, then eventually he finds his way back to the party, thanks to Lady Cranley. Uh, but the, the person's murdered someone. And because of that, uh, they uh, get involved with it. They, they, they get doctor gets arrested, blamed for the murder. They realize that the Cranleys have been keeping their brother, George, who was tortured in South America, prisoner. He was the person responsible for the murders, but he tries to kidnap Nyssa because she looks like Anne. They talk him out of it. She gives him up, but he falls to his death. The TARDIS crew then just goes. They leave after the funeral. Bye. 
<laughs> where we do? go one minute 27 <laughs> seconds but i like that you just kept charging ahead you did it you you did it regardless uh i you know black orchid is just such a relaxed story it's it's very much the doctor on holiday so i think we can we can uh give you a little bit of wiggle room there you you basically you basically took uh 30 of the extra seconds that would have been allotted had this been a four-parter had the budget not been spent by k9 and company mm, there you go i'll take that <laughs> um, so whenever we come to review k9 and company i'm gonna i'm gonna dock you 27 seconds oh wow that's true it's not even really part of the, the codex so what I'm looking, thinking about what I, what could I have left out? I mean, I would, I feel like I was rapid. I was a little stumbled a little bit at the episode transition, but that wasn't that long. Well, like, um, like the doctor, I think you got stuck in the priest hole. I think you got stuck I in all those extra corridors. Hole, I mean, you know, the doctor loves a good secret corridor. Uh, I mean, he loves corridors in general. Yeah. But... Somehow, somehow he, in, in two episodes, it's only two episodes long yet. The, Davison spends an inordinate amount of time in this, ep- this adventure wandering through corridors and not even interestingly, like he's, he's literally lost. He just yeah. doesn't know where, and he's just goofing around and it takes him a while even to find the body. Yeah. You know? And, and it's, it's like, I mean, this is, one of many things wrong with this story, <laughs> but it's like if if even in a two parter, uh, less than an hour, you're spending a, a ton of time just wandering through sort of main, nameless, faceless corridors. I think it's very um, it's an indicative you've probably gone off the rails at some point. Yeah, so so it's yeah. kind of entirely appropriate that um, that we we got stuck in the stuck in the corridor, stuck in the priest hole. And as a priest hole, to be honest, I mean priest holes. So we we should. I'm going to spend the only time in Chris's history corner just on priest holes. Um, <laughs> Do it. Uh, you know, it, it's the reason priest holes exist. If you don't know, it's because you know when Catholic uh, priests were persecuted um, after the Church of England was established by Henry VIII because he wanted to divorce his wife. Um, you know, Catholicism became not the religion of the land, so uh, Catholic priests who actually practiced had to be hidden, uh, mm. often in. Uh, uh, these so-called priest holes in estates and you know big country houses and that sort of thing, um, but they they weren't sort of you know lavishly. <laughs> they were <laughs> holes, right? It was not like whole corridors of rooms, right. towers, even. Stores. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's they did not... say, yeah, they had to sort of qualify that, even though it doesn't make a ton of sense. Mm. Uh, in that, at least they, they they acknowledge it, right? They say, well, it's larger than your average priest hole. And she talks about, oh, like our ancestors were incredibly generous. Uh, and basically people from the clergy would come there from all over the country, which is all right. Yeah, I guess that's why you have a yeah. bunch of secret doors. You could have just said it's Hogwarts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Lady Cranley makes it a point of pride. And I wonder if she kind of knows that the doctor is a time traveler. And mm. uh, it's like, you know, should you choose to visit? the same estate in say the 17th century right like you went back for the visitation recently uh should you go back there come visit our priest hall you will see how how good we were to the catholic priests yeah well at least i didn't get trapped in that rabbit hole of the references that this season makes constantly to other adventure the previous adventure or the next adventure right like uh they they do mention that in the opener where they're in the TARDIS and it's like considering yeah. what we've just done to London. So immediately <laughs> follows the visitation 
And Tegan <laughs> makes the point that like, hey, I've I've said off screen now that I just want to stay because the visitation mm. at the very beginning of that episode, she was very intent on going home again. Um, so that's, that's like right. clearly a decision was made. Like, okay, we can't just keep have, keep having Tegan whine and complain about not being home. Let's let's have her actually part right. of the crew, which is especially a with a visit to Heathrow coming up after Earthshock. Um, and that that is yeah. very interesting from from a pull to open perspective that we've now visited both sides of Earthshock, right? So yeah, we've bookended Earthshock like it keeps missing the target. It's, I mean, it's a target, and we've referenced Earthshock a lot, obviously, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you know it's the Cybermen and the Adric's. You know, spoiler alert: Adric dies in it. What? Um, <laughs> yeah. Check out our face. Th- I think it's that's it. It's our face the Raven podcast that is yes. randomizer. It's like let's not do that again. Yeah, yeah. The 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 randomizer had to go almost immediately to hell bent, didn't it? Just to reassure itself that that Clara would live on. Right, right. (laughs) Uh, So, oh, sorry, I was off. Um, Let's talk about Black Orchid here. Um, Yeah, it's a very weird episode. It is for a lot of reasons, not just because it's a historical, but. it's i don't mean weird bad it is weird bad in some ways but it's weird good in that it is a rare thing to have the doctor expected which i think is Mm -hmm. it works one of the things that works really well about it because they materialize on the platform the guy sees them and you 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 assume it's mistaken identity and it turns out it is but it's like that line you are the doctor just and the music cue right then is great. Like you're just like, yes. wait a minute, yeah. Uh, and you're every you're kind of with them, like, indeed. And he's kind of, mm. you know, Davison does a really good job as Oliver, but he's like, you know, you you get even from his delivery of the line, like, I'm gonna go with this for the time being, you know. And um, <laughs> yeah, the doctor never never listened to his uh, parents' advice to not go with strange men and cars. Because <laughs> uh, he, he's he's all about it here, uh, but yeah, it's never explained who the, who this other doctor is that he's. Oh no, it is. It is. Yeah. So the the thing is, uh, Charles Cranley's friend Smutty Thomas. Smutty Thomas. I laughed at Smutty Thomas. <laughs> was supposed to send basically a cricketer. Yes. And uh, they. I don't know why they call him the doctor. My sense is that's a little bit of playing up the WG Grace uh, connection where well, I guess he was called the doctor. And WG Grace was called the doctor and WG Grace was also called the master, which right. is they, they use to great effect when, when he meets Lord Cranley uh, in what I think is the, the best moment in all of Black Orchid where he's like, you know, the master. Yeah, uh, well, and the doctor's like, well, but that also plays off that earlier moment, right? Where the doctor's mm-hmm. expected and you feel like, is this the payoff? Like, is this what yes. he's expected? And it's the master. And it's like, maybe that's a master's plot. And there's a WG Grace. And then he's like, oh. And, but that that does sort of, I guess, explain it in a sense. Because I guess we take it to mean the doctor is somewhat almost a generic term for the person who's going to save your cricket match. <laughs> I mean, the person, I, I guess, guess it's almost like a pinch hitter, you know, for cricket or a sub, I don't know. I don't know, but I, I gotta I gotta spoil our usual where is the Clara Splinter um, uh, uh, moment at the end of the podcast. I'm gonna say the Clara Splinter is Smutty Thomas. 
uh, <laughs> who called up in the first place and said, you know, you need to expect a guy called the doctor. He's going to save your cricket match. Interesting. It, that would fill in that blank. You got it. Um, but they do explain it. There gives was me more opportunities to say Smutty Thomas. And the, the number of times I could say Smutty Thomas smutty. on this podcast. Smutty. Much better player than Smutty. I, I, that was a great line. Uh, I want to go talk about Charles Cranley in a minute. But mm. um, with all the the mistaken identity um, stuff, uh, that, that sort of came back around. And it sort of, it, once you get the explanation, it's like, oh, I get it. He was supposed to be, like, there was a person who was supposed to be on that train that right. missed their train um and really no more than that which again yeah. is okay it's okay to do sort of semi-ordinary things and uh, uh, again if if they were more about this and this is one of the big the biggest problem in my view with black orchid is it can't really quite decide what it's being is yeah. it subverting expectations of doctor who um which it does in a very basic way by sort of teasing these sort of elements but and then ends up being a pure historical mm. um and there's other things that it sort of doesn't seem to have the courage to follow through on and the main one is the send-up of upper class aristocratic british society which yes. it seems like it wants to do but never quite follows through on it agreed Agreed. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the, you, you sort of have the, the lightest, most gentle satire of that society. You have Adric yeah. wondering why you would have a cocktail in the bath. Um, you know, it just sort of, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing really here, except when you sort of step back and realize at the end of the episode that the Cranleys were gaslighting the Doctor Yeah. Uh, about the whole George thing. They were going to set him up to be hung, which is... yeah. To be hanged, sorry. Um, <laughs> <coughs> yeah, I, I no, got what you meant. Yeah, thank you, thank uh, you. Yeah, going back to the dressing gown now. Well, um, to, now. to your point, I mean the Cran. I mean, take a step back. The Cranleys are pretty despicable people. They're assholes. Uh, They're and, absolute you know, assholes. Selling out the not only just leaving the doctor to hang out to dry, yeah. but just how they've treated George this entire time. Yeah, uh, and the very the end we're like all friends and we went to the, we had this fun ball together and here's the book and thanks for staying for the funeral. They stayed like, for the funeral. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They were absolute jerks and they <laughs> didn't really, there's been no accountability for what they did to George. The only yeah. hint, the only hint you get of it is where Charles snaps at his mother. You feel like he's, he doesn't like this, what they've been doing mm. to George and he's finally saying something about it. Uh, it's just a hint, though. It never uh, blows up into a full-on conflict. It's never explored. Again, two episodes, I guess, what would you do? But um, mm. it, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth. You know, the, the one thing that they did that I, I think is sort of unintentional satire now, it looks like unintentional satire now, is uh, the, the fact that uh, George, George dies basically because Charles wants to give him a hug. Right. And and he sort of takes a step back and he falls off the roof. And that, to me, seems to be the most English death ever uh, to die because <laughs> you are afraid of getting hugged. And right. uh, it's only the most <laughs> British upper-class death you could possibly imagine. Um, unintentional satire, I think, but it sort of reads that way to me now. Like, oh, yeah, of course, that makes sense that he would die that way. <laughs> Well, I just found it like yeah, that's funny. Actually, I kind of like that now, but I, I just found it to be like the the laziest writing. Yes. that you just have the bad guy who isn't even really bad um, fall off the roof, and that's you know a nice neat end because now mm. 
he doesn't have to be at the funerals for the for the servants, I uh, guess. I mean, it must have been like a triple funeral, I guess, maybe. But um, Oh, God, you're right. We didn't even get mention of this funeral for the servants. Like, two have died. Yeah, there's the guy in the cupboard, and of course, there's yeah. the guy uh, that gets strangled. And it, here's, again, there's these moments throughout that really, I think, are knowing satires of the society this one i'm not that mm. sure of but uh you know a lot of the stuff in episode one is, is actually really amusing but the climax of episode one i mean it's the only climax other than the, the end mm. the the cliffhanger so Anne is calling out for help as um george is manhandling her in the harlequin yeah. costume yes and the servant comes the the butler or whoever he's just nameless faceless cranley servant he takes the time to take the tray in his hand, I guess a yes. tea service or something, and puts it down out puts of his way, down. away it's... from the two of them. Like he basically walks past them quickly, but he walks <laughs> past them, puts the tray down on a table, and then turn around to help. Dude, you know you you help. you really can't get staff like that anymore these days. You know <laughs> butlers these days just use the tray as a weapon, just not even thinking of the tea service. Um, but you know, if you're a true Jeeves like Butler, you put the tea service down first. And and this is maybe why you don't get staff like that anymore. Uh and why, you know, in the nineteen twenties in British country houses, uh, you know, this is the sort of the end of the era of, of that sort of downtown abbey, upstairs, right. downstairs kind of thing. Like you know, where you stopped having servants in big houses because the families couldn't really afford it after World War One. You know, this is sort of the death of that era. But maybe it's also because this is the way they treated them. You know, <laughs> a couple <laughs> of murdered servants in this household over over a weekend party, and it's just sort of brushed under the carpet. Who would yeah. want to go work for the Cranleys after that? Yeah, totally. And the um, I I, I kind of I, I I'd be curious to know if that was a deliberate choice to to send up the idea of this ridiculous uh, sort of upper class way of things right because there's yeah. certainly moments of that earlier um like all the whole conversation with regard to nissa and they're asking you know where is she from is she mm. in easter and then the the lady lady cranley who's great by the way. i want to say I, i'm not i don't want to take anything away from the actors who are no. amazing i think the guest cast here is like one of the best of this era um but lady cranley it's just like impossible. The hunt isn't good enough. You know, yes. <laughs> they're also doing something which is so, money. it's so British and upper class here, which is sort of struggling through the cold as it was very cold during those right. costume ball scenes. And they're outside in the freezing cold and occasional oh, rain. Wind. Like yes. everyone's hair is flapping like crazy, but they're just sort of carrying on. It's very, yeah. very British stiff upper lip, you know, <laughs> keep calm and continue the costume party. Yeah, I, I um, listened to the commentary, which was actually uh, just the main cast, which was actually yes. kind of nice because it it really spoke to how much fun they I think they had filming this, even though yes. they, they acknowledge it's not the greatest story. And there's this, there's something I never noticed, which was that it it's clearly has rained outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like you look at the pavement in some of the scenes, you can see the reflection of the background in it. Uh, which I'd never quite noticed before. I'd certainly noticed it was a you know it was a bit overcast and and wind. I mean, it's England, <laughs> but yeah, exactly, exactly. Maybe yeah. we just have to continue the party, continue the buffet. Uh, only stop it if any servants are killed. Uh, <laughs> right. That, that, well, only really if they're pretty... not in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. in a closet, and it's okay. Keep them in the closet. Don't trouble the guests. 
Like some of this stuff is just incomprehensible and even less comprehensible. The doctor just goes along with it. Like it's like mm. he finds the body in the cupboard, alerts Lady Cranley. She's like, please don't alert. I'm sorry, my other guests. And he's like, uh, okay. You think he'd be like, um, well, I'm upset by it. And <laughs> now I'm on the case. Yeah. You know, like. But no, he just puts on his Harlequin outfit and goes right. to the ball. Yeah, because this happens all the time. You just find people in closets. Sure. Dead. <laughs> He's just going to have a good time. You know what I'm going to do? Put on a creepy Harlequin mask. Um, it, it is actually one of the least believable things about the story, in my, to my mind, is that the Doctor would actually wear that mask once he's seen in the mirror how creepy it is. Right. And he'd actually go downstairs in it. Like, why? No, just wear the rest of the Harle Harlequin costume. I gotta it's say, like, I I do like it though. It's like I like it because mm, it's creepy. It's an interesting looking yes. thing. I I wonder whatever happened to that costume. Did anyone ever? Mm, who has it mm, now? Like that's a that's a good cosplay right there. Who has it now? Peter Davison. Ooh. Uh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no, my I, <laughs> I do like. So I have so many questions about Black Orchid. However, Shoot. I I want to preface. <laughs> I want okay. to preface it by saying that I actually kind of enjoyed it, and I really enjoyed episode one. Because okay. it's so rare to see the Doctor on holiday. Yeah, um, I, I like episode one is very is certainly the strongest of the two. It, it's it's like what you always want for the TARDIS team is for them to mm. just have a nice time. Like so much yeah. of Doctor Who is about foiling their nice time. You know, they, they go to that crystal planet for midnight right. and Doctor takes a tour. And of course something's going to happen, you know, to the point <laughs> where you've got to wonder why the Doctor doesn't have PTSD with all these things that happen when he's just trying to have a nice vacation. Um, but we've we've been to a lot of Doctor vacation episodes. Obviously, the randomizer loves them. Like, you mm -hmm. know, he, he Androids of Tara, where he just wants to go fishing. Uh, the Gunfighters, where you, <laughs> the Doctor on holiday meets Doc Holiday. Uh, <laughs> we had that recently, and th there have been a bunch of that. Um, you know, and and I, I really like it. Florent, he never made it to Florana with Sarah. Come to think of it, then yeah. one day this is right at the beginning of Death of the Daleks. So, I, well, uh, what's the what's the name of the, the planet that Davis is trying to get to, and he only gets there? It's the Eye I, of Orion. Eye of Orion. Yes. Yes, for five doctors. Yeah. So, Davison's whole thing is like, I'm trying to get you for an entire season <laughs> to this yeah. to this nice holiday planet that looks just like a grey, wet, wood, uh, wintry day in Britain. Oddly but enough. Yeah. <laughs> but to your point, it's great to see them having fun and getting a chance yeah. to have fun and sort of be themselves a little bit. Um, and like, Tegan especially. I mean, Tegan yes. really is the breakout star in terms of having fun here. You know, oh, she's totally. so into the Charleston. She is flirting it up like crazy with Lord Cranley. Oh, to... well, no, like uh, Sir Robert. So, yes. Yeah, Sir Robert. Like, that's so. a good moment where Tegan, uh, it's it's kind of subtle. I mean, but it's definitely there where they're like we she's you know it's fancy dress right well we don't have mm -hmm. any costumes and sir robert speaks up it's like i was just thinking how charming yours was and she gives mm -hmm. him the wow could you buy me a drink stranger smile <laughs> that is like oh this is this is cool yeah and she doesn't dance with anyone else you know right. she's either solo charlestoning or she's dancing with sir robert so yeah definitely if if it hadn't been interrupted by the uh, unfortunate murder and the revelation of the the whole gaslighting about their dead son uh maybe <laughs> if only well i do maybe. like i like i gotta say the, like i say the guest cast is great i mean sir mm. robert he you, you like him he's he's obviously very competent 
Um, he's, you know, he's a cop. Technically, he's like the constable or something. But he's mm. clearly been probably uh, all his life been surrounded by sort of this uh, uh, upper class people and is now one of them. Um, but then he gets very confident the moment there's a murder. Like he sort of goes into cop mode and it's, yeah. it's nice. It's like, it's a good thing that it's, it's not quite a switch flipping, but it is like, okay, I'm not dancing with Tegan anymore. Like right. something serious has happened. So like he takes off the wig just to emphasize how serious this is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, but speaking of the guest cast having fun, I mean, obviously Sarah Sutton has fun and she gets to play two roles. Um, yeah. Adric has fun deliberately with the buffet. Apparently this was Matthew Waterhouse <laughs> wasn't good at the dancing. So he suggested Adric should just be at the buffet. And this is sort of famous in kind of Doctor Who circles. A lot of people like to poke fun at how much Adric is eating at the buffet. And I've got to say, I mean, this is the guy's last meal. Come on. <laughs> right. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Come on. Because... Let him let him eat as much as he wants yeah. at the buffet. Come on. Don't 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 fat shame. Don't adric shame. Don't buffet yeah, shame. Like Earthshock, it's never explicit, so you could you could make up headcanon to explain that it doesn't come immediately after mm. Black Orchid, but there is an implication because the doctor hands Adric the book that he's just finished reading. Mm. And you know, it's implied, I think, that it follows right after, even though you could argue, well. Maybe they had a billion adventures and then he finally got around to reading it. Right. So <laughs> either either way, but yes, it's 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 more likely this could be his last meal. Yeah. Um here's the thing. Like uh my kids, I watched this with my kids. Um, my daughter, who uh, she really liked that. She I think this really got her to like Adric more um because mm. of the appetite because he likes to eat because she likes to eat <laughs> she was like that's exactly <laughs> what i would do yep. if i was at a at a party so and it's like yeah you know i i've i've certainly um in my share of like being invited to free parties and you know we're both journalists and members of the press and you get like mm -hmm. uh, you know it's like hey yeah like the ones that where they actually serve up good food are are kind of memorable for that reason sometimes yep. I, think, I i will always remember the release of the blackberry smartphone uh i think it was called <laughs> like the z10 or something i think in 2013 2014 that era because they mm -hmm. went all out on the food <laughs> like yes the food was like five-star new york food um, nice. so yeah you know yeah loading up <laughs> me and adric i i could completely relate Totally. I mean, everyone gets to have fun of, of the recurring cast in this, um, and and none less than Peter Davison, who was actually a good cricket player right. in real yeah. life. Yeah. And uh, this is, you know, <laughs> it definitely calls to mind the lodger and the mm -hmm. Matt Smith yep. getting being very good at football. I do have to wonder if, like, does each regeneration have a particular sport that they're into? Mm, like, yeah, it, I know. Does, do these skills carry over, like? Was Colin Baker also a good cricketer because he still had Peter Davison skills, or how does this work? Could you argue Venusian karate mm. is the equivalent of a sport? You know, kind like of. yeah, because it's like yeah. I'm sure there's a there's a you know pan galactic Olympic games where Venusian karate is practiced. I love um, it, and isn't doesn't Capaldi also say that he's good at that? So obviously that that has transferred over yeah. from from uh, his poetry regeneration. Yeah, so I think I think you can. He might have these various skills that perhaps uh, parts of his, you know, you know, it's it's funny. Like you could actually headcanon this because your brain has to sort of get used to certain patterns to sort of mm. get good at certain things, and mm. maybe as the doctor regenerates, certain pathways open up and certain other ones 
are a little more clear, which sort of also explains like the, the changing personality. Mm. And so he's built up skills throughout various regenerations, but certain incarnations are better at certain things because the patterns change. Oh my God, right. dude, I just explained this. I'm going with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm seeing a, a version of Brain of Morbius where it's just like, how many sports have you played, doctor? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Olympics. We got, we got to get to Brain of Morbius sometimes. Yeah. To... <laughs> to make that reference, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, it. apparently Davison was amazing at cricket and there's a scene a wide shot where he is bowling uh bowling the ball is it called a ball what is it <laughs> yes, it, it is called a ball but he, he bowls several people out yeah. on screen uh and they actually captured that yeah he, he played a lot of charity cricket matches apparently um yeah, nice. and also this was filmed i believe right after castro valva so it's very early on uh well, at Castor least in... was not filmed first though right wasn't yeah. it was it four to doomsday that was i think it was four to doomsday first? was the first one yeah yeah and then... they were still working on the script to Castro valva even as they were right. starting the film so um but this is this is very early on he's still sort of defining who his doctor is in terms of the, the mm-hmm. shooting schedule right and 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 this is sort of his chance to show why the doctor is wearing this cricketing gear uh, so I feel like a, a lot of it is uh, he's he's investing the doctor with that side of his personality uh, very early on. But yeah, he he bowls a few wickets. He's uh, yeah, he's he's not he's not acting there. He he really does want to know if he's uh, mid stump uh, when, <laughs> when he's when he's at the crease. I'm literally using all of my cricketing knowledge. I know very little about cricket. Uh, yeah, well, me too. <laughs> pretty much said um... it now even though we were both from Commonwealth nations. And I remember sort of like playing kid cricket or something when I was in elementary school, did not, mm. did not take. Um, but I, again, the, the first episode, the setup is good. He plays cricket. He plays it amazingly well. And he's a time Lord. You kind of like, you, you, you sort of get it. And you're also loving it because you've seen your main character do this thing. Yeah. And it has some very good comedic moments uh, leads to anyway with Tegan and Nissa and Adric, Nissa and Adric just completely, flummoxed fish out of water two fish out of water staring at yeah. each other and wondering what's going on with tegan there, full-on embracing this environment she's in again like you said she's the breakout star like episode one strong you know yeah. so far so oh, good and, and and tegan, yeah it explains tegan's that, into cricket yeah. yeah and it also explains why the mystery of who this guy is he's allowed to stay incognito as uh charles cranley puts it for longer again sort of believably it's like it's sort of adds a little bit more to that. Um, so all the, the stuff is kind of set here for something interesting. And mm. then it never, something interesting never really arrives. Well, it's, <laughs> so it is, it is set up uh, for anonymity, but that's sort of one of the weird thing. One of the weird ways in which Black Orchid differs from almost all of the rest of Doctor Who, from the usual Doctorish behavior, uh, is that the Doctor will, will normally employ pseudonyms for himself and his right. companions in that sort of situation. We've just seen it in the gunfighters. We just right. saw how he he was Dr. Caligari. Um, yeah. You know, and, and my my companions. Stephen Regret. Stephen Regret. And, yeah. and I can't even remember what he says Dodo is. But like that, that's normal doctorish behavior. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's why he pulls the John Smith out so often. Um, but here he's just the doctor, and it's it's a little weird uh, to see well, him do that. I think well, there's two things. I I liked it because one, I I see him 
going with the um, mistaken identity or ex- not really expected that he's expected, right? He's sort of going with that as well. If I'm expected, I'm just going to be myself. Also, mm-hmm. it allows for more of that satire of British uh, high society where he goes just completely honestly, like Adric's from Alzerius and right. Lisa goes, I'm from Trakin. And they're just like, okay, well, those must be cool yeah. nations or counties or <laughs> provinces somewhere that we just uh, don't know about. And they must be surely part of our, uh, our class and people we would know. We're just not thinking about them right now. So they're kind of, playing sure. a little bit, there's a little bit of emperor's new clothes kind yes. of element to it, which is why what I really liked about it. It, um, that is definitely a satire, I think, on on uh, the aristocracy of the British Empire uh, to assume that sort of Traken, oh, well, that must be somewhere in the Empire. That Oh, yes, I, I've yeah. heard of Traken, haven't you? Um, yeah, you can sort of see that whirring through the, the heads of the Cranleys as, as Nissa's talking about it, uh, which is fascinating. Um, so, and yeah. So and speaking of Nissa, there's the yeah. whole thing where obviously... Sarah Sutton gets to play both Anne Talbot and Nyssa. I'm yes. um, so obviously super fun for her. I think she does a great job. Um, she does. Obviously, she welcomed the challenge, and I was I'm sure it was super refreshing for her to like. Oh, I can do this. I can play something completely different from what I do uh, normally, and she does a great job. Um, but does it work? I mean, it's a weird. There's a weirdness to it, it, it and I, I'm willing to go with it. There's a little bit of a, like Prince and the Popper kind of vibes. Like, do you need yes. to explain it? Probably not. Um, I don't know. What what did you think of that in terms of the twinning of Nyssa and how it was handled? I think it I think it was handled well within the story. I think the problem comes when you start to consider how many doppelgangers there have been in in the entire history of the show. Hmm. Like so many characters have had doppelgangers. Well, the doctor, uh, especially, you had like the massacre, right? Yes. There's the abbot there. Um, yes. You had the Salamander, enemy of, Yeah, right? the, the enemy, enemy of the world. world. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, how Meglos. many doppelgangers have you had, Doctor? Um, <laughs> Meglos for um, Meglos. Doctor. Good, yeah. good, deep cut reference. Like it. Yeah. So, it's a, th- a trope that the show returns oh, to oh. over and over. And then the following season, Arc of Infinity, where Omega uh, becomes I don't know, I don't want to I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it. <laughs> I have long, <laughs> long time ago. And Arc of Infinity. Omega, Omega, I, I think you're gonna reference by, Colin Baker in there, but yeah. Yeah, well there's that too, I guess. Yeah. So <laughs> thinking about that and that, you know, the whole thing they did with Capaldi later. Well, we'll get to it when we get to it. But, right. Um him and, and Matt Jason. Smith in in one of his Cyberman uh, episodes, the Neil Gaiman one. Um Oh yeah, Nightmare and Silver. There are yeah. two Matt Smiths. Like it's 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 such a common thing, and so it's 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 kind of weird to have this, uh, especially after coming from the gunfighters, the Doctor being mistaken for Doc Holiday. Like it just it seems like they're leaning a bit too much on on that trope without explaining it. Yeah. Like is that did the TARDIS bring them here because uh, Anne Talbot looks just like Nessa, and if so, why? Like it just seems too wild a coincidence. I know. Um, like I say, I don't necessarily think it needs an explanation, but it is mm. It is sort of in the back of your head the whole time. And it's obviously just contrived to do a, a number of things for the story. I will say one of the things it does allow is probably, I think, maybe the funniest line in the whole thing, where Nyssa is aghast at the plate that Adric has full of food. Yes. And he calls him a pig to his face. And he goes, and you can like- only be Nyssa. 
Exactly. <laughs> that it was almost worth it just for that joke. I love yeah. that. I love that sort of that kind of sibling rivalry that, that Nissa and Adric has never been better displayed than than here. Then you know, they kind of have this sort of you know, they they they're kind of childish in their own ways, you know, because they're yeah. own, their own pasts and cultures and I like their interaction here. It, it worked for me. Yeah, you could say it's sibling rivalry, or yeah. you could say it's boyfriend girlfriend. Ooh, you know, because like, if you have the look, you look at the look that Adric gives her when she starts mm-hmm. doing the Charleston. Um, yes, she, he that is the look of love, my friend. Like he is Adric, like, so taken with her. Adric does not know how to dance, and we all know what dancing symbolizes in Doctor Who. Uh, we know this from the, from the doctor dances. So Adric does not know how to dance. People take that as you will. Uh, that's why he and Nessa never quite managed to get it on before Earthshock. So, uh, oh, poor Adric. The guy, the guy died without uh, knowing how to Did dance. Did he know? Oh, we could we could read into it when we want to read into it. But yeah, <laughs> um, again, lots of good stuff here. Even in episode two, because I believe that happens in episode two mm. of. But uh, I will I will say just just to close the loop on the, uh, the 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 Nissa and uh, Anne thing. I did yes. actually believe it was very good work for for the show at the time. Like there's not a lot of they they didn't have to CGI her in or CSO her in or however they did in those days. You know the um the the stand-in for Nissa was very good, even though apparently mm. they had some trouble finding someone who had her build and height. Okay. Um, it was a very difficult thing to find, but I totally believed it that they were both there in the scene. Yeah, they right? did a great job. The edit was yeah. perfect. I mean, I, I I suspect, and I'm not sure, there might have been a remastering at some point prior to the DVD release. Because mm. um, I had this vague recollection on when I taped it on VHS that you could kind of see the line down the middle somewhere. Um, but maybe that's just me remembering like the parent trap or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> I could be, but, uh, yeah, like looking at the DVD or the Blu-ray, it looks great. They're totally fine. And with the masks, I mean, it's a nice little sort of fancy dress outfit where they can sort of hide someone's mask or someone's face with the mask. Um, so it totally works when one's in the background dancing and the other one is like in the scene with Rad- Adric. Um, so yeah, they, they did a great job. Um, I love so it. And I love that they're, they're sort of instantly thick as thieves, right? They they just they've gone off and decided to do this. They've decided to completely fool everyone, which is a mm-hmm. nice thing to do when you encounter your doppelganger. Like you know, you you don't see this level of fun with a doppelganger in in any of the other who episodes where they feature, and much much of doppelganger media, um, right? In general, <laughs> usually but, it's a nemesis uh, or someone from a parallel dimension, exactly, or does not have your best interest at heart. Uh, what speaking it's of nice to have thieves, a BFF, yeah, mm-hmm. I really like the BFF. Uh, uh, a little bit of exploration between Tegan and Nyssa. So mm. they have a moment where they're getting ready for the party and Tegan shows up the Charleston. And it's just a nice friendly moment. Like again, like to your point, this holiday um, that they're on and they're just kind of allowed to be themselves and share a little bit about their backgrounds. Um, that was really nice. It, it added to sort of the depth of that relationship. And you really believe like, yeah, Tegan and Nyssa, the, you know, this they're basically sisters on the TARDIS and, um, they just, you know, have this great friendship that keeps going. And I, you know, that there's a bit, I remember at the end of Ark of Infinity where she's just super happy and thrilled that Tegan's back. And of mm. course, cause she gets her best friend back and, Aww. 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Nisla, they, they're earning it through moments like this. She really loves her TARDIS crew. Uh, but something else we find out about Nessa in the story is that she doesn't like trains. She thinks they're really stupid. Um, <laughs> silly, a very the, silly activity. Very silly. But the Doctor does. And right. and let's talk about this. This sure. is going to be my Deadly Assassin connection. Because okay. don't, don't we see a steam train in the Matrix in the Deadly Assassin? Oh, I think we do. Yeah, I believe I that's it one. Nearly of runs over the doctor or something. Nearly like runs over the thing. doctor, and the doctor tells us here that he wanted to drive steam trains as a boy. <laughs> now, almost as good as the other line. Yeah, that was a funny line. Now this is this is just head cannon. You can head cannon this like crazy, and if you are if you are a Doctor Who fan and a railway nerd and a, a train spotter, you know you, mm. you're just this is your episode. Like. I, I really almost want, like, you know, we talked about the, the spin-off stories that RTD is doing. I, I kind of want more Gallifrey and Railway stories. <laughs> you know, that's just... Good, yeah. Gallifrey is obviously a steam train society. We've never seen that in the show. <laughs> this is what's re- being revealed here. Maybe this is why the Doctor likes keep going going to Britain. You know, in the in the glory <laughs> yes. age of steam trains. Well, yeah, you can indicate a lot of this. I mean, maybe there's a line along the coastline of the continent of Wild Endeavor, and <laughs> you know, you think about there's a, like you could read whatever you want to in various lines, but there's a bit. Remember, we did the mysterious planet. Yes, and there's a bit where the sixth Doctor suggests maybe this isn't Earth, and they just collected railway stations here. Mm. And maybe that's a thing they do at Gallifrey because, you know, <laughs> they don't just collect trains. They collect actual railway stations and oh my God. set up just the elaborate rail systems just for their amusement. Uh, maybe wow. that's a thing. I love that idea. Please, RTD, let us explore. Let us have the railway children, but in in uh, on Gallifrey, um, do something with that because, man, you know, we're in the 21st century and the rail system really needs an upgrade in the US. We need to take uh, rail systems more. We need to get more kids interested in them. Um, so why not use Doctor Who for that? The, you know, the, the CAD cannon is just waiting for these from these few episodes. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, let's also do uh, a little more. <laughs> you almost don't well, want to like we we've already just talked about things that we like about episode one and how, why it's been good mm. for the cast. It almost feels bad to focus on episode two now and yeah, episode where two it falls does part it... in a, like literally like a million different ways. And as I was prepping for the show, I was doing these notes and it was just bullet point after bullet point after bullet point on like what is makes no sense and yes. it doesn't work. But one of the things I, I kind of want to get it out of the way, the things that don't. really doesn't work. It's Ditar Latoni, I think that's his name. Latoni, yeah, I, Latoni. I, I, I keep the thinking of like a Indian. Yes, <laughs> I keep thinking more of a sort of a French Italian guy. Hey, Latoni. Yeah, so they describe him as an Indian. Um, again, I'm not a scholar of history or geography, mm. but I think that's inaccurate. Um, well, I mean, Indian was sort of generally used for indigenous people of the Americas. So right. I think, yeah, so I think you can have a, a Brazilian. Indian. It was. And mm. I think in 1925, probably certainly less so today, but I mean, um, in 1925, uh, you could certainly correct for that time. But he he comes on, um, he has this lip that yeah. uh, is sort of extended out. It's clearly a prosthetic on the actor. 
mm. uh, which is kind yeah, of an issue because they, they, mm. they talk about it's it's a lip, but it's so clearly a prosthetic. You're, I, I was it was even when I was younger watching this, I was a little confused. Like, is it what's going on there? And it's it's so bad that it they had to loop his dialogue onto his like very few lines. He only has something right. like two lines, and it's so obvious. Like it, it sounds like he's he's radio in, radioing in to Lady Cranley. <laughs> even though he's standing right there he's uh, literally not, phoning not it in yeah. yeah well he's phoning it in also i think the character of latoni is uh phoning yeah. it in because he's clearly not very good at restraining george oh like, my god he, he has one job which is to make sure that george doesn't kill any of the staff uh or any of the guests and he keeps failing at it like he's just not very good at tying him to the bed i guess well it's also just not good at like keeping an eye on the guy who's just escaped and maybe don't lose yourself in a book with your back to him <laughs> as soon as he's restrained, you know, like what? Like that was the, just the most weak sauce um, escape, you know, setup that I've, I've, I've I can't, I think of anything worse. It was really, really bad. So yeah, he's, um, it's, it's barely even explained why he's there. Like he's, he's a member of the, of the good tribe that came along and found George, I guess, after his tongue right. had been ripped out. Yeah. Um, and uh, after his face had been scarred, and and he, I guess, decides that he's his servant for life now, or like he's going to accompany him to England. Well, my something. guess, I mean, not to be cynical about it, but he he probably prefers to live in with the upper class English folks in England than maybe in wherever his tribe lives in. South yeah. America, that, that well, I guess. One thing, one thing we know about Latoni is he likes books. So I think he's really <laughs> just like George is maybe he writes on a piece of paper, come home with me, you know, help, help, take me back to my family. You can read all the books you want. And he's like, hey, yeah. I'm in. Sounds great. Uh, and then he's just totally focused on the books and barely learns. He, he should have really read a book on knots, how to tie knots <laughs> so right. he can restrain George. Well, um, and, and seemingly his last act, I actually forget if he dies. It doesn't die. Yeah, I think he's just mm. rendered unconscious. But his his last act of consciousness is not to save his own life, even though he's in mortal danger from George overpowering him. Mm. It's to hide the key. You know, like yeah. the, 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 there's a foot on his chest that's crushing him. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to not concentrate on the foot and try to get out of this. I'm going to hide this key in the floorboards, in the floorboards or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just okay. <laughs> okay. Good on like, you, Latoni, I guess. Like he's just walking atmosphere, obviously, and and a plot device. Um there, there's virtually no character here. And but it's isn't uh, isn't it also the case that Lady Cranley is trying to gaslight the doctor or gaslight everyone about the existence of Latoni. Mm -hmm. The doctor's like there, there was a Indian chap with a with the lip and and Lady Cranley is like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, she's like, what are you talking about? Which is weird, considering that we've seen Latoni attend the actual costume party. Right. He was right I, there. I, he was right there. And you're trying to gaslight us? Like, you yeah, don't think you, any of the guests would have noticed? Well, you also think that um, a guy on the job, the way Sir Robert is... Would have noticed and said, well, and said, like, well, wait a minute, I, I actually did see an Indian with a lip because that's something you probably wouldn't miss if <laughs> exactly. you're a cop yeah. and wonder what was going on. So, 
that's weird, uh, especially mm. since he apparently lives there. So uh, wouldn't they just think, oh, yeah, it's Latoni? Like, weird hours. So, like, a guy like Sir Robert just doesn't notice him. Like, yeah, it, it just, just doesn't work. Um, so, yeah, anyway. <laughs> Any, well, so, so let's move on to George. I, I have okay. a hard time understanding the cliffhanger. Why is, perhaps you can explain this to me, why is George strangling Anne? He isn't. Um, I get it. It looks like he is. And it's one of the more infuriating things about the cliffhanger is that he's he's obviously mentally unbalanced. He sees Anne is trying to get away from him. He wants to possess her and because he feels like whatever he's lost. Mm. And he obviously he's not thinking well, not thinking through what he's doing. Uh, but he's not strangling her. It's only when she faints and oh, you see okay. the hands close in and he's just strangled the servant and they're implying that he's about to strangle her. So what he's actually doing is he's obviously, he's just going to grab her and he ends up putting her in his room um, and which he gets out of like in, immediately, <laughs> which is again, like what <laughs> the what, security what in this place is just shocking, shocking. Um, um, but the, what's infuriating is in the cut in episode two, you don't see the hands anymore. And mm. one of those things, you know, we talked about this with regard to Mark of the Ronnie and others where they do this different cut. And sometimes yeah, it's it's okay. giants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they didn't do the different cut, because it's like either you're either you're scaring us or you're not, you know. Right. Uh, but, you know, he, I don't think he, his goal is, isn't to kill her. His goal is to somehow possess her and, uh, you know, take take her away with him somewhere. Uh, yeah, dad, it's, it's Beauty and the thought. Beast. It's like yeah. classic Beauty and the Beast stuff, which is the, like the, the original title for this story was, when it was pitched was The Beast. Uh, so like it's definitely wearing its origins on its sleeve. Um, but also I, I, I'm actually thinking, you know, I'm headcanoning this. And I think that the uh, a great resolution to that cliffhanger would be like he, he looks like he's going into Strangler. But then last minute he just like moves her the strap aside. To see that it actually it oh, has the yeah. it's like oh yeah oh it's Anne okay <laughs> well he doesn't the whole thing is he doesn't know about Nissa right like yeah. he doesn't know that there's actual a literal doppelganger a little literal lookalike um, even if he has spotted the two dresses so he, it, I think that's okay that he's because he he does sort of check at the end there right because he kind of pulls the strap aside uh, does he? when he's on the roof like, oh okay and I, I want to get to that in a minute. Um, but he's again, George is mentally unwell and it's again, more of an indictment to the Cranleys that they're treating right. him and they're just locking him away. Now, again, I think you could correct a little bit for the time and that it's 1925. It's not like there was a lot of, you know, thorough mental health, uh, you know, help for people who, who were that way. And so I guess they just figured the best thing we can do is sort of lock them up. I, I guess I can sort of believe that even though, that that I could sort of understand. I don't understand keeping it a secret and, or at least not an open secret. So that just, just from, for safety purposes, you know, like in that, like he's got to be somewhere. um, Also like, wouldn't it, well, I guess it's a big house. Like the, the stuff you would need to, you know, feed and clothes. So yeah, I guess it would just be extra, but Hmm. it's, it's just not, um, I can't, I can't, abide by that end where they're just like whatever you know like uh, we're all friends again and and why keep him in the house i mean we know uh, certainly friends of the crowns and uh, the crown uh will know uh that uh, it was a fairly common thing for aristocratic families like the windsors to take the um you know the problem relatives and just stick them in a sanatorium somewhere 
That was that was very much True. the British way. So why why even is he in the damn house? And also, like you know, speaking of revealing your evil plot, uh, like when when Atigan is looking at the Black Orchid, and Lady Cranley comes along and it's like, oh yes, my my son George found that, and he's no longer with us. Like you didn't even need to say that. Yeah, like, just make up a story about the Black Orchid. Why are you revealing that George even is a thing? Uh, right. You know, wouldn't that be more dramatic to to say it that way? If you're, especially if you're going to run a gaslighting operation, just well, Tegan does bring up the, the that she's heard of George Cranley. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. Mm. she's looking at the black orchid. I mean, I guess you could argue like why even put it on display? So in yeah. the first place, so um, it's but I guess brought it you such work, trauma. Right? Why would you? <laughs> like this is the thing oh, that yeah. got you. Got your son, you know, got his tongue ripped out. Why would you put it on full display in the living room? Yeah, apparently it's his work, right? Like, and then the doctor comments later that the book is mm. is great. Like, it's it's scholar such scholarship. He says to Adric in the next episode. So it's maybe it's page, it's, it's sort of unavoidable in the sense that you know if he's really just known for this, um, maybe people would question why they don't have it out. You know, like this is mm. your son's legacy. Um, so maybe that was it. I think it was a bit of a stretch to suggest that Tegan is super worldly and knows about a botanist from 1920s. Um, That just seems like really remote trivial pursuit kind of knowledge, uh, especially on Tegan's part. But it sort of gives you a little bit of more believability. Honestly, I think they would be taken with Tegan either way. She's just such an interesting, headstrong, um, confident woman. You can definitely see why uh, Robert likes her. Absolutely. They're just, you know, go on, you know, dance the Charleston and, you know, they're just delighted to have her, Um, Mm -hmm. even though she, you might infer from her accent and, uh, you know, that she might be perhaps not cut of the same stock uh, as as the Cranleys. Well, she's clearly, uh, you know, Australian, which is funny that nobody mentions that, Um, you know, uh, Australian was uh, made it, Australia was made into a Commonwealth in 1901. Um, I'm just looking it up now and got full independence in 1931. So, you know, maybe, maybe have a bit of a discussion about Australia's hmm. place in, in the Commonwealth and empire. Um, yeah. You know, that and might how be, she came to be living in England. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. How did you come to be here? And that could maybe be resolved by the reveal of the TARDIS. Speaking of which, uh, <laughs> yeah. should, should we get onto that? The Let's other super weird thing about Black Orchid. It is it is it the only time that the doctor ever sort of explains like get gets out of a pickle by taking the locals into the TARDIS? Uh might not be the only time, but it definitely sticks out like a mm-hmm. a crazy sore thumb in among Doctor Who canon. Uh my kids noticed this too. Like was that is that something he should do? I mean then it also just the way it's played once he does it is very odd. Like, I mean, the cops are strangely very calm about it. And right. It's you, not actually a, an alibi. Having yeah. a time machine is not an alibi to a crime. So it, it's weird that it sort of exonerates the doctor. It sort of does, but to, to Sir Robert's credit, he does say that. Like he basically says, well, in this sense, you're forgiven. Yeah. And he's like, in this sense. And he's like, well, there's still a murder to be explained. Like you're still a suspect as, as right. powerful as you may be with this time machine. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, and then what I, I did also like that he uses the TARDIS yes. to go back to Cranley Manor and 
uh, again, one, bo- boosting his credibility, but also like, yeah, just use the TARDIS. Like, why do that more, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quick short hop. Uh, a, a quick short hop. I mean, you know, it's, it's sort of a public transit service here. Um, but also <laughs> it is weird given that he could explicitly could not pilot the TARDIS at the start of the episode. Right. Right, it it lands him in yeah. 1925 England, and and he even admonishes the TARDIS, like, "What what is it, old girl? Why are you, why are you so obsessed with with England?" Uh, I can headcanon that though, because yeah. um, he's doing a short hop in the same time zone, which I think is a different set of variables than trying to get somewhere in time and space. So yes, the TARDIS is always unreliable, but you can kind of you know, figure out in your head why it's a little more reliable at certain times. It's not perfect. Uh, but the fourth doctor did say, I think in the previous season, I forget which episode that he and the TARDIS are getting rather better at these short hops. Mm. Um, so it all goes back to that evolution of the TARDIS where it evolves from super random at the beginning of Dr. Who to where he's flying around with essentially, you know, pinpoint accuracy in new who. Um, so this is sort of the midway between and he's getting better at it. Well, sometimes it's pinpoint accuracy, and then there are other times, like uh, at, at this, uh, at the start of Rosa. Don't we learn that uh, uh, you know Jodie Whittaker's doctor has been trying to get back to Sheffield seventeen times, and and that right. they end up in Alabama. Why do they always uh, got to go teens? <laughs> it's always like fourteen <laughs> times with the Zygon inversion, and yep. seventeen times. You go, yeah, you know. so it does go back and forth, and I would love to see some sort of history of the accuracy of the TARDIS. Um, mm. You know, there's there's a massive longitudinal study that, that someone can come up with a, based on Doctor Who history on one of these days. Um, just to um, finish off on the cops thing, mm. seeing mm. the TARDIS, it's, it's weird because they're so calm and it's like whatever, yeah. and even though, okay, I guess you're a Time Lord, like nothing is made of it, like you you get the impression in other episodes where the doctors are reluctant to talk about his nature and who he is. It's because it would kind of dramatically raise the stakes just inherently because yeah. all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, we're squabbling about, you know, whatever the episode stakes are. And all of a sudden we've got a time machine and mm-hmm. access to this time machine and we can go anywhere in the universe that opens up a massive possibilities to whatever we're doing you know or what and the fact that that's just like oh oh, okay well time machine i guess i guess those are real and uh we can the aliens are here and it's all it's all good you know i guess none of those policemen want to make a fortune by going to the newspapers and telling the story of this this weird time traveler uh with this bigger on the inside phone box maybe maybe this is a clara splinter explanation but we can get to that later um (laughs) So anyway, they do that. So, but really, like in terms of the the worst parts of the story, are still yet to come at that point. And mm-hmm. to fast forward a little bit, the climax is uh, utterly <laughs> dumb and ridiculous. I mean, it just it just you're just constantly like, what are you doing? So, first of all, when George busts out again, we've already talked about how stupid that is, mm-hmm. and he he sets fire to a door to break it down. And I'm going to give some points here because it's like, okay, I get what you're trying to do, even though I think that would never work. And yes, it's incredibly dangerous, but not just for the house, which they show. It's also just, I, I think you would kill yourself more before the door broke down. You know, I think, yeah. I think just from the smoke alone, you'd be dead. But um, who among us has not deliberately set a fire to open a door? 
Um, <laughs> well, stuffing newspaper. In the commentary, yeah. and this sounds correct to me, but in that doors are sturdy, right? Mm-hmm. Like it'd probably be the last thing to actually burn down in that room. Uh, you know, they're usually made like especially old thick Victorian doors from right. you know, presumably the manor was built, you know, many, many years before nineteen twenty five. Like that's that's gonna be a tough thing to actually burn down. Um regardless, I'll right. give it points. I mean, I get the logic of it. Go ahead and do it. And it does provide sort of the the fire problem you know uh, obstacle in the definitely one stage. of those things that you wouldn't put in new who you you would definitely be afraid of copycat uh you know kids <laughs> stuffing newspaper under their doors and setting fire to it like the very dangerous sort of precedent to set like oh i saw it on doctor who uh i just yeah. wanted to see if i could open my door <laughs> that way uh no <laughs> don't <laughs> yeah. do it anyone listening don't set fire to a door exactly psa um, kids Wait, the name of the show is Pull to Open. That's what you do with doors. There you, you go. Do not, it is not set fire to open. It's Pull to Open. <laughs> Important safety tip. Okay. Um, now, then later, after George busts out and everyone's crowding him, he somehow grabs Nissa, thinking she's Anne, virtually mm-hmm. unopposed. Like, just grabs her. Suddenly, he's got her. Um, which, again, I think it's shot decently for this, but you you kind of have to wonder, like, is anybody on the job here? Like, what What are you doing? Mm. Now, that wasn't, again, both of these I was sort of giving a pass on. But then, in the shot, he runs up the stairs. The doctor is like two steps behind him and for some reason can't pursue him once he gets to the top of the stairs. That The, the, the flames or the smoke are too much for him now, even though he's a time lord and we already know he doesn't have to breathe the same way we do. And we've it's actually, it's already been established in Fort of Doomsday with this dog. Mm, that's the case. Mm, mm. Um, so, but for some reason he turns back and says, well, what? And then that's clearly to have that quick bit of dialogue about the mystery and who he is and why he's so interested in Nan. And then they go outside. Yes. Cause they, they, I guess are assuming he's going to go to the roof and lo and behold, he goes to the roof and then they go back inside. He like the doctor's like, I'm going to go back inside and somehow get through what I couldn't get through before for unknown reasons. Plus so George weird. Cranley decides, oh, sorry, Charles Cranley decides to climb the exterior of the house to get to him. Yeah. Which is that yeah. Um, I mean, and, and here's the thing. I, not only is that nuts, like I'm going to climb the side of the house because I don't, you know, like, are you a mountain climber? Maybe he is, who knows? But it's it's a missed opportunity because you could have had him sort of teaming up with the doctor and mm. going through the house and having a little more back and forth there. And it could almost even become a little bit of a cop buddy ending and not that it should take over, but you could you could get a little more between the two, which would have been something that would have been okay. Uh, but right. they don't even bother doing that. Uh, and the, the other thing I just thought of while I was sort of doing my notes was like, this would have been a good way to call back the priest hole. Yes. Because why would the doctor know anything about getting to the roof of this house? Well, maybe like that. We even saw a staircase in the priest hole. Like it would have been good to sort of see him use that knowledge here. Um, but it's, it's the, the kind bother. of thing you could set up with a line and you could also set up with a line the notion that George is actually a mountain climber. Or maybe Lady Cranley talks about when the two of you were kids, you would just climb up the outside. I couldn't stop you. You know, maybe right. it's like Bran in Game of Thrones. You just can't stop climbing up and around the house. And that's all you need for it to be called back to 
in in that finale there but yeah it's super weird and and also like they they seem to take an extraordinary amount of time to notice that there is smoke like it's right. <laughs> it's wafting across half of the set and they're like wait a minute <laughs> i think there's a fire <laughs> yeah. psa kids when there's smoke there's generally fire so so all of that, you know, is my rapid fire bullet points of the problems with the climax, mm. but it's all leading to the absolute worst. Okay. The, the worst, like the, the most nonsensical thing or incongruent thing, which is that the doctor says like basically Lady Cranley says he's not going to hurt her. He loves Anne. And the doctor says, well, what's he going to do when he finds out he's got the wrong girl? And mm. then the first thing out of his mouth, when he gets uh, confronts George on the rooftop is, Hey, you've got the wrong girl. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like cut to lady Cranley going, Ugh. well, cut, cut to face. Oh, right. Like you almost feel like you could be in the head of the doctor. Don't say he's got the wrong girl. Don't say he's got the wrong girl. You've got the wrong girl. Oh my God. Don't. Dude. What is Don't. wrong with you? <laughs> this regeneration. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's how that's definitely how they play it in New Who, right? Uh yeah. yeah. Well, you know. It's it has all these problems and it's sort of a terrible mystery that you can easily solve. It's you know, it's not exactly Agatha Christie level uh to figure out that it's the missing son. Right. Um, you know, you could sort of figure that out in episode one, but it's it's almost like it, it just for all these problems, it's just like a kind of a nice inoffensive story. I understand why a lot of yeah. people like it. Um, yeah. Also, apparently, according according to the commentary, this is uh, this was uh, at least one fan's sexual awakening was seeing Peter Davison in a dressing gown. <laughs> Which again is uh, weird. He's not even shirtless. He's just kind of you just see a little bit, you know, a little bit of the chest. That's all you need. That's all you need. That's, that's all you uh, need. I guess it's even enough to the imagination. Exactly. But it is it's it's interesting because we did ask that when we went to Spearhead from Space uh with Pertwee in the shower. Like, is this the only sort of like shower scene for the doctor and or mm. bath scene? Which I guess this is. We we had this notion, I don't know if you remember, in Spearhead from Space. We're talking about the idea that the doctor, like this, is actually the doctor's first shower in the entire series, <laughs> and that's why the Time Lords could track him in war games is because they're just tracking his smell across the universe. Yeah. Well, he finally, <laughs> finally bathed again. Yeah. Uh, in yeah. The canon, the doctor, eventually. <laughs> no, the doctor takes a bath every two or three regenerations. Uh, <laughs> that's that's his rule. Those natural Time Lord oils just sort of keep yes. him fresh the rest of the time. This is why he and Queen Elizabeth got on. You know, yeah. QE, QE1. She was into having baths once a year. So, you know, I can't hate on Black Orchid too much. Like, I just, right. I was ranting about the things that don't make sense. But ultimately, yes, there's a lot of fun being had here. It's unusual, which is a, you know, it's a little bit refreshing in some ways. Um, and my kids thought it was okay. That's was kind of their review. Um mm. And they were both like, oh, yeah, you know, kind of held my attention. But they picked up on a lot of the various things I did, too, um, particularly that the doctors expected um, and that it was just too short. They just thought, wow, it was just kind of like blinking. You miss it. Like it was just, you know, over really, really quickly. And that's, you know, the nature of these two episodes. But it just felt like a bit of a tic tac of an episode. Yes, I, I, I was uh, watching a YouTube. I believe her name is Marie Claire, who is, is doing a lot of uh reaction videos and she did black orchid 
And she was so shocked to find out at the end of episode two that that was it. Like, Mm. even when it was over, like the doctor getting handed the book felt like a cliffhanger to her. And she had to skip ahead to see, oh, the next episode is called Earthshock. Like, it's a different story. She was so, Mm. she just couldn't get over that. And I think that's, a lot of people have that reaction to Black Orchid. Like, surely there's more here. Surely there's a missing episode. Uh, (laughs) It'll all be explained in episode three. (laughs) (laughs) Episode three is just everyone sitting down and kind of talking through, like, oh, that's why Latoni wasn't very good at knots. (laughs) Oh, okay. And get uh, Michael Cochran, you know, as as Charles Cranley. You know, I'm actually a, 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 was first place mountain climber. Back in, back in uh back at oxford yes. <laughs> and then finally at the end the the, the other doctor shows up <laughs> like, right i'm here for the cricket game <laughs> and awesome. we discover it's actually another regeneration oh wow it's like hey. yep <laughs> what, a, what a way to end it we maximize the hotness of everything we talked about this week it's smith <laughs> boom <laughs> There it is. Indeed, yes. Before well, we uh, jump to the question, mm-hmm. I did. I'd mentioned him very briefly, but I did want to just shout out Michael Cochran, who I thought was probably the standout of the guest cast mm-hmm. as as Charles Cranley. I thought he was great. I thought his delivery of those um, nose in the air type lines, you know, like a ripping performance, old boy. You know, like he was just he really sold that old school downtown Abbey. Uh, man of the house, man of the manor mm. kind of vibe. Um, so again, I, I, for all the nonsense here, I got to say there, there's things to really like about Black Orchid for sure. And right. the guest cast and, and particularly Cocker and your uh, definitely were stand out for me. Oh, it's it's one of those, and we said this about Spearhead from Space as well. It's one of those where it's like the, the story is kind of beside the point. You, mm. You're enjoying the atmosphere of it. And you you could hate on it, but but why why would you do that? It's, well, that's a it's good fun. question, Chris. Why would you want to do that? But before we answer it, although we did sort of answer it, we're going to answer other questions, and those are, of course, the four questions to Doomsday. I can't wait when we do the four questions to Doomsday. Four four to Doomsday. It's going to be a very special episode. Anyway, maybe we could add a question um just to avoid a collision of of concepts okay first question why did the randomizer take us here oh gosh i have many answers to this first of all the randomizer seems to love historicals Mm -hmm. um it's got kind of a thing for classic serial two-parters uh we've done this Mm -hmm. and the rescue uh it loves dr holidays we talked about that the the gunfighters androids atara uh, it's a an episode that sees a lot of TARDIS usage during the story. Well, not sure. a lot, but it's it's you. It's a critical plot point, which is something I said that I liked many, 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 many pull to opens ago, and the randomizer has been obliging us ever since. Um, I also mentioned Stockbridge the other week. If you remember right. that, yeah. Doctor Cricketing. You know, we talked about it in the context of Beep the Meep showing up in the 60th anniversary. Uh, you know, the Doctor playing cricket in Stockbridge. She does a lot in his uh, fifth incarnation. Um, and uh, this story is about as close as you can get to a Doctor Who story set in Stockbridge. You know, on 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 screen. Mm. Um, it's it's pretty close. And also, we've just come from the Celestial Toy Maker, 
yeah. which is all about games and and here the doctor plays cricket so maybe you know the trilogic game is the thing that Hartnell's doctor was really good at <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then this is you know showing off the fifth doctor's cricketing skills maybe next we'll go to the lodger yeah. and see his footballing skills so what what else you, you got any other randomizer reasons um, I think he's, I think the randomizer is honestly probably trying to get us to like Adric and, <laughs> you know, find the good in, in that character, um, by showing us probably his less annoying stories or at least stories mm. where you can kind of root for him a little bit. And before it, it you know, smashes us across the head with earth shock. It smashes um, our heart into a thousand pieces on prehistoric earth. Yeah, along with our badge of mathematical excellence, which again oh. he he was still wearing in fancy dress, which I never noticed until this episode. He has the little badge there on his, uh, Wasn't that, his that pirate was, outfit or whatever. That's such a beautiful thing that he still wears that. Like that's that's going to be his talking point at the party. Uh, and, you know. Ask me about my badge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's really what it should say on the badge. Ask me about my badge of mathematical excellence. Oh. Uh. Or Adric. I do uh, have a soft spot for Adric, especially like seeing both sides of his death, seeing time flight and now this. Like Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate what you're doing here, Randomizer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh the next question is what if the evil plot had succeeded? So this this is an interesting one. Um it requires us to find an evil plot. Uh and I well don't think it's George's. He's not really evil. Yeah, he's not really. He's just, you know, he's the the beast. You know, the beast in Beauty and the Beast is never. He's, he's always sort of like Frankenstein's monster. Like he doesn't really yeah. know what he's doing. He's just, you know, he's a tragic figure. Um, very much in that in that earth. So you've got to assume that the the evil plot is the plot to lock George up. Yeah, agreed. It's the Cranley plot. It's the Cranley plot. And here's what I'm going to suggest that would happen. And I think this is entirely appropriate for Black Orchid. If if they had the plot had succeeded and they kept George under wraps, if if Latonia had just been a little bit better at knots um, and, and restraining George, the Doctor would have had such a nice time. I'm going to suggest that maybe <laughs> maybe the Doctor retires at this point. <laughs> he just loves these guys. He loves he's, this. He's like aristocracy guys. life. Yeah, he's like, guys, I don't think we should travel on. Like, I've I've got bad vibes about where the TARDIS wants to take us next. Let's just hang out and play cricket here. I mean, and one thing I didn't mention in the segment of playing cricket, the Doctor hits a century, which is, is mm -hmm. one of the few other cricketing terms I know. Like, he gets, without being bowled out, he gets a score of over 100. Which okay. it's huge, like especially for your first That's game. Way over a hundred. He's like one hundred and forty something, or at some point, right? So, like, he's on the edge of breaking some records, I'm sure. And that, given how much this incarnation loves cricket, that would be enough to to have him just be like, you know, screw it. I, I I'm done with traveling around. I want to just stay here mm. and uh, and and retire here, and I'm just going to play village cricket uh, for the rest of my life. And you guys seem to be having a wild old time here. You know, Adric can go off and become a restaurant columnist for the times of London. Uh, you know, uh, wow. clearly, clearly Tegan is so into this <laughs> location. She just wants to party it up and get into Charleston yeah. dancing contests. Look up with Sir Robert. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Nissa, Nissa and Anne, I mean, they, they could just be BFFs and like, you know, that there's a whole, there's a whole just series, a spinoff series waiting to happen where they just 
you know, go around parent trapping everyone. Well, that's an interesting take on the dark version <laughs> of the evil plot succeeding here. The doctor right. just retires. I was uh, a little more darker, I guess, just because I thought that them succeeding would mean that they successfully framed the doctor for murder or whatever uh, okay. that means. So um, Lady Cranley doesn't seem to have her heart in that. She does even says at some point that um, she she he'll come to no harm if he's innocent. But mm. I do think, you know, if you think the doctor lies sometimes, certainly Lady Cranley can lie. And if she's a little darker than that, and I think we can maybe presume she is, um, she frames the doctor for murder. The doctor goes away. Her his companions and say Sir Robert delivers on his threat that uh, accessories are treated the same. So they're all sort of locked up. Uh, we we need a jailbreak. There needs to be yep. a jailbreak situation. And who's on Earth at this time? I think there is one Captain Jack oh. doing some work for Torchwood. So this might be his first Doctor Jailbreak. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Not, I mean. And, so like the what first, would, what would know? Captain Jack make of uh, the Peter Davison regeneration? My goodness, oh, my. floating like crazy. Look at that! Yes, <laughs> and then you got the two ladies in the TARDIS. They do they do not protest to meeting Jack, Captain Jack. That's um, right. He's going to make a lot of priest hole jokes. I think that's that's what <laughs> would happen in that situation. Oh my! Uh, this right if the out. doctor is in the priest hole in his dressing gown. I mean, that just yeah, totally writes itself. Yeah, so that, that I kind of want to see that version of uh, the evil plot succeeding here. Well, you know what you get is, uh, you know, maybe if it's not a jailbreak, maybe what you get is a trial of a time lord, uh, a regeneration early, like, but but set on Earth, mm. and it's like you know the the doctor in the in the high court trying to explain time travel. Oh, nice! <laughs> and there's like the whole like I travel in time and space, and you, I think we have to presume the TARDIS hasn't been found at this point. There's there's like yeah. a hunt for the TARDIS as as the key piece of evidence. Yes, um, and you can bring up H.G. Wells as a character witness. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say, because I have some connections for our next question, Ooh. which is, where is the Clara Splinter? Well, now, we'll go straight into that. Yeah. yours already, but my thought, I was originally sort of racking my brain to fill in, as we do with the Clara Splinter, what's sort of the plot hole that might uh, a Splinter might fill in. And I thought about, wait a minute, what year was the snowman set in? Because mm. maybe the Clara Splinter and Black Orchid is the same girl in that she lays the groundwork for this episode somehow in 1892, which is when that episode mm. was. So she's a governess, right? Um, right. For British upper class people. So maybe mm. the Cranleys were in London at the time or close to it. And the maybe the people in the snowmen weren't the only people that Clara was govern a governess for. And maybe she met the Cranley. She was maybe uh, when, when they were, the, the two mm. boys were very young. So if you think that Michael Cochran was playing older for Charles, who is, and he's the younger brother, remember that would have made him about yeah. maybe seven or 10 years old at the time in 1892 Interesting. and George a little older. And maybe this explains why they're both in love with brunettes. <laughs> 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 they have a big thing for brunettes because Claire wow. is a very pretty girl. Yes. And, you know, she she has builds great connections with kids. We know this. Interesting. Uh, maybe that forever they're carrying a torch for Clara, the Clara Ooh. Oswald of of uh, 1892 version. And, you know, 
end up going both going for Ann Talbot. Interesting. I, I wow. You it, well by bringing up the snowman, you've reminded me that the the Paternoster gang are probably active at this time. Ooh, yeah. Maybe, it's about maybe thirty years later, they, though. They'd be old. They could come in, and, but aren't they? Don't we see them like later down the line? Uh, do we? In do I, we? I, I don't know. I don't know I the years to, they're active. The right then. <laughs> Spoiler alert on when we come to those. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, let, let's avoid the Badenoster gang. But yeah, I do. So I, I do have another explanation for the for the Clara Splinter. Oh. You know, I've I've said that she's Smutty Thomas. I just say that to say Smutty Thomas one more time. Um, telephoning ahead to tell Lord Cranley of this cricketing genius called the Doctor who's going to show up. So he's ready, and the car is ready, and you know that seems an obvious explanation. But also, I'm like, maybe Clara is like maybe there's some darker thing here, which she is. Uh, she knows that the doctor is like about to retire if if he likes it here too much. So she needs to be the one busting George out. Uh, she she needs she's the one going around like loosening the ropes. She's she's oh, a servant. Oh, I see. She keeps she's going into the room. She makes sure that the beast is released. Mm. And uh, yeah, and and also it's like, like a maid, yeah. Yeah, and I had an even darker Clara Splitter explanation here, which is she's giving George electric shocks and hugging him at the same time, so he has an aversion to hugs. <laughs> oh, ouchies. This is, this is art up there with dark Clara that I, I posited for the Beast Below, where she's part of the memory police. But you know oh, what? Wow. You could totally get that idea from uh, Brave New World, which was a contemporary novel, and right. talked about this notion of electric shocks to for uh, aversion therapy. Ooh, yeah. Uh, okay, lots of explanations oh, here. Clara, what are you take up your, to? Take your pick. Um, but we got to move on, and we got to move on to the last question, the only question, the question we've all been waiting for. What do we think of this episode? And our rating system has four ratings currently. There is the Dalek, which is for a good episode of Doctor Who. The Ogron, for perhaps a not-so-good episode of Doctor Who. The Professor Hater, for an episode where, eh, not so great, but maybe we learned something. And, of course, the coveted Viscount Banger, which we reserve for the best of the best. <laughs> what no. is this? You'd think that, uh, given its aristocratic leanings, we might go for Viscount. But no. No, the Viscount is not present. The Viscount has not been invited to this party. Um, at first, my my first thought was to say that this is uh, Professor Hater's portrait in the attic uh, mm. is the rating I'm going to give it. But now, I think I'm going to I'm going to go with Dalek. Holy um, cow! Look at you. Yep. I'm going to go with Dalek because it just it just like the story doesn't matter. You just sort of enjoy it. You have a fine time. I think it's it's not a great Dalek. It's a, it's a Dalek in the attic. It's like the the, the red-headed Dalek stepchild that everyone in the family is ashamed of, and they just keep it tied up in the attic. Um, it's got a broken plunger. Exactly. It's like my my uh, scientist Dalek here in the Easter egg background. <laughs> yeah, it's had its voice box torn out because it was a Dalek that was actually into orchids and mm. took the wrong orchid. You're almost convincing me. I was I was more in the Ogron camp, and I still am. Mm. I think this is an Ogron, but it's a nice-smelling Ogron. It smells nice. <laughs> he has got some perfume. He's been uh, hanging out, you know, with with he's in fancy dress. buddies. He's in, yeah, he's an Ogron in fancy dress. But ultimately, like, I'm just so annoyed by all the things that are nonsense and make no sense, and it's, they just annoy me too much. I can't, I can't quite cross over into this being full on Dalek. 
the Ogron's having a final time at the buffet, and no, nobody else can eat at the buffet after the Ogron's been at it. But uh, but yeah, he's he's having fun. Uh, well, interesting split decision. Didn't yeah, expect split. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I thought I honestly would like it better, um, given that I watched it a bunch of times and don't have bad memories of it. But it is it's uh, underwhelming, and like I'll, I'll tell you who pushed me into the Ogron camp fully. Peter Davison. Oh yes, yes. We should talk about that. <laughs> the he really, yes, was, was it's sort of famous for this, right? That he really yeah. doesn't like it. He thinks it's not a great story, which is weird because mm. he had a good experience on it with the cricket, and you know mm. he he loves to play cricket, and he was great at it, and I had a good experience there. But he cares about the show. He does. That's what I mm. I, I like him for a lot of reasons, but I also like him that he he was a very uh, he was a fan of his own show. Mm. Uh, which is great. Um, but yeah, he he was not a fan and um it, it shows in the commentary and his his rapid pulling apart of various things, particularly in episode two. I was like, okay, yep. I've seen some rather cynical comments uh from from Doctor Who fans suggesting that it was that this was sort of seen as a classic at the time, and then as soon as fans learned that Davison didn't like it, kind of the, the received opinion on it flipped. Um, so people were just ready to follow whatever Davison said. Yeah, I never loved it. I remember kind of thinking it was fine. I, I it's kind of a stop on the way to Earthshock, and I remember my sister kind of liking it when she was younger because of all the sort of party stuff, and that's why I think my daughter was was kind of into it. All that stuff is fun. Yeah. If you like parties and dressing up, and what kid doesn't? Um, yeah, you'll be into it. But I can't. I can't get there. I don't really. <laughs> I don't want to, uh, don't want to I'm, see it again. I'm into the final time that we're having. We're definitely not going to see it again. It is now time locks. It's locked out of our codex as we step forward back into the TARDIS, bringing a bunch of confused policemen with us. And uh, huh. <laughs> by, by the way, do they? I forget how we count companions. Do they count as companions? These policemen who've oh, taken wow. a trip in the TARDIS. Yeah, they have. Oh my God, is Sir Robert a companion? <laughs> That's a good question. Yes, that is the fifth question to Doomsday. Do you have to like go, travel with the Doctor to another story? Yeah, if you I did, think then I don't think uh, Katarina or uh, Sarah Kingdom. Or Sarah Kingdom. I think it may be you have to be in two episodes, two separate episodes of traveling at the TARDIS. Mm. So that that might be the uh, reason that they're not counters companions here maybe. And that, but maybe if, if you got that third episode of black orchid that we realize that we really need maybe uh, the policeman would count and and so robert would count as official companions uh, well we're gonna have to leave that one a bit of a mystery mm. and perhaps unanswered because it's mm. time for us to go <laughs> and it's really and time to go. it's really time to go <laughs> it's really time to figure out uh where we're going next though Yes. And we have to activate the randomizer. Yes, the randomizer, two parts. I'm using random.org to find a random number because computers are terrible at uh, random number algorithms. It's, they're just guessing at randomness. But random.org uses atmospheric noise, just like the doctor would, bespoke atmospheric mm. noise uh, to generate a true random number. Now, what random number, you say? Well, that's generated via, well, it's looking at the codex, which Peter's looking at now, mm -hmm. which is our spreadsheet, uh, which has been upgraded, a spiffy new codex, to ensure uh, 
in part that we will never visit Black Orchid again. <laughs> that was that was the whole idea. Yes, we have Holter Open Codex, which of course is a listing of every single episode of the television show Doctor Who in a sequential order. And mm. we have given every one of those stories a number. And the story number may differ from certain other compilations of this nature because we we had to make certain calls at the beginning that might differ from um, official story numbers uh, as to what constitutes a separate story. But there is also a randomizer number for every adventure now, which skips the ones we've already done for the podcast. So boom, no more time-locked episodes. What we're going to do is call up a randomizer number and that is between, even though there are 302 stories of our account, the randomizer number will be between 1 and 233 this week. 233. I, I, I love this new randomizer setup because we get to see those those numbers tick down slowly mm, um, every week. with every show, every week that we do. But before I hit the generate button, and generate a random number between 1 and 233, we do like to challenge the randomizer. And this week, I would like to challenge the randomizer. I had a great time in the 1920s. Um, take us to another 1920s episode. There, oh, there wow. seem to be quite a few. Well, I had a good time enjoying the food. <laughs> <laughs> so get yeah. at something where you know, the crew doesn't have to consume food or drink but get us something like, like food themed you know sometimes mm. food's part of the plot um sort of remembering that was i think maybe the power of crawl or something was you know there's been soylent green sort of type episodes in doctor who uh you can do one of those or just something yeah. where having a good old time chugging drinks and having delicious i don't know prime rib or something yeah, or drinking screwdrivers like Tegan yeah. does. By the way, Tegan is the only one to consume alcohol in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> with her screwdriver. She's allowed, uh, which maybe is the reason why she's flirting with Sir Robert. Well, which um, is funny. I always sort of thought of them as all around the same age. And maybe that just shows how young <laughs> I was when I was watching it that I didn't understand why Nissa or Adric was considered a kid. Right. They all just seemed like isn't. kids. <laughs> they they really do, um, but yeah. Uh, well, uh, interesting choice of uh, food based episode. Uh, also, that could include jelly babies, which Ooh, would get to this yeah. this issue of the fact that we haven't done a lot of Tom Baker. Um, right, randomizer yeah. went through a sort Big of gaps. a Tom Baker phase, and and now just completely ignores him. And the you know Baker and Smith are definitely a. a least represented doctors on the show mm -hmm. so uh, so jelly babies might be a way to get in there so let's see let's see all right let us spin up random.org are you ready sir i am ready give me all a right. countdown time for the countdown here we go in four three two one excellent 229 i okay. believe we're in we're in jody we're in jody maybe we are. Maybe. It's Revolution of the Daleks. Oh, okay. Boom. <laughs> All right. That's I an I forget. interesting one. I'm forget, forgetting which of the Daleks this one is. Is this the, the one with the Prime Minister? Uh, uh, yeah, I think it is. Yes. This is the one with the two factions. I mean, the, the, the weird Daleks yeah. that are based on the previous New Year's special become an That's army right. and then they the real daleks come and there's there's a fight so it's yeah the one after resolution 
Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah. That's funny. I think I, I, I already got the connection. I was just talking about Captain Jack. <laughs> He's all over this one. Is he? Is he? I th- was it? Are we thinking of Chris North? Uh, in- uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> both of this one. Very- I'm completely misremembering. I haven't seen this. I've only seen this once and only when it was broadcast. So this will be, um, this will be good. Yeah. Back to Whitaker. I love it. Uh, Whitaker since Witchfinders. Right. Uh, and, and certainly the most up to date story that the randomizer has sent us to. Yeah. Uh, oh, that so- is, you know, yeah, it's the most recent story. You're right. The yeah. we did um, when we were non-random, we did Ascension of the Cybermen and the Timeless Children, but we have not done anything post-revolution. It has not come up. Here we right. go. We're inching our way towards the power of the Doctor, and you can inch your way toward it with us when you come back next time to listen on what we think of Revolution of the Daleks. Hey guys, this is Pull to Open. It's a podcast. Podcasts are a thing you like to subscribe to, so go ahead on whatever app you're listening to us. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button. Uh, if you already do subscribe to the podcast in a podcast app, there's also a place called YouTube where we're at. And it would really be great if you subscribe there too. We have a lot of great followers and a lot of great conversation going on there. Trust me, you want to be there for it. YouTube.com slash pull to open. Follow us on the socials. We're uploading videos like crazy, like we're crazy video prolific producing crazy people in an attic and that's all we do is just make tiktok videos they're on tiktok it's a tiktok at pull to open on tiktok we also like to chat with people on twitter pull to open 63 is our handle there and it is the same handle on instagram oh final words chris (laughs) oh final words you're absolutely right captain jack is in revolution of the daleks uh which is going to make it our fourth captain jack story that 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 we've been taken to the randomizer clearly taken with captain jack hey i'm just Uh, glad the randomizer listens to me (laughs) i've clearly got the i've got my finger on the pulse here i've i've the randomizer's looking at me like tegan was looking at sir robert when he complimented her outfit indeed it's and it's not taken us the 1920s it's not even taken us the 2020s it's 2019 so Mm -hmm. thanks randomizer thanks randomizer I will buy you a drink, Randomizer. All right. (laughs) All right. We'll see you next time for Revolution of the Daleks. Bye, folks. It's sure to be quite topping.